Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Check, check. If you don't know how you run, I guarantee you somebody will tell you which one you look like. (laughs) If we're really honest with ourselves. There is another one, and... um, they had the Tom Cruise run, and um, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I, I would like to think, I think in our heads we think we have the Tom Cruise run, but in reality, we look more like the bouncing head or, or whatever. Today we are going to be talking a little bit how we run and how our runs look different than everyone else's, and that's okay, and that's Okay. So Pastor Jane uh, mentioned that we had a little bit of a late night, and I have a strong heart. That is because I had an allergic reaction to something, and um, it got a little crazy and dicey, and um, I looked. You know those um, apps that they had the old man apps, and your face becomes like really wrinkly, and they do. My face puffed up so much that I looked like I had gone to one of those apps. So we had a fun night last night, and so I'm just sitting down just because it was a late night. It was a late night, but we got it figured out, and God is good, amen? So it's good to see you. I have loved seeing during this time, I don't know if you've noticed, but there are new faces in our church, and yes, it is so good to, to see you. We're excited to meet you. And, and I want to encourage you that are a part of our church that if you see somebody you don't recognize, you know what? Like we talked about before, we, we can be physically distant but not socially distant. Okay? So we can find ways to just say hello, to greet them and wave or do whatever it is that you do. But, uh, you know, just because we are in the time that we are does not mean that we need to... Uh, be socially distant, especially from new people coming. And I'm excited. We're going to have people that um, have been online are going to start coming in, and it's great, and it's exciting, uh, but we still need to be wise, right? Be wise and take all the steps that we need to do to protect ourselves and protect others. But today, I am, I am super excited to talk about a story that, honestly, I don't know if I've ever talked about Jonah. Jonah and the giant fish. We like to say whale because that's the biggest fish we can think of, but the Bible doesn't say that. Just like Eve didn't partake of an apple. We know there was a fruit, right? We know that there was a giant fish, but really, if if you look at the book of Jonah, it's not about Jonah, okay? The book of Jonah is not about Jonah, So we're going to be finding out that we as people, we have a history of running from God. The problem is, is that we are usually a little bit more critical about somebody else's run than we are about our own, hence the video, right? We have the ability to be more critical and judgmental about what we see others doing, but we're super kind and generous and gracious to ourselves, aren't we? So we have context, we understand why we've made certain decisions, whereas other people, we don't understand their story. We don't understand exactly how they got to where they got. So then we make assumptions, and that's not a good thing. 
We all know that there are complexities in our own stories, which means that we need to give people the grace and understanding that there are likely complexities that we would never have understood in their stories as well. For example, think, think of training, think of running. If you're working on a 100-yard dash, you're not going to train like you are for a marathon. And if you're training for a marathon or a 10K or whatever K, you're not going to just sit and do sprints all day. You're going to be toast, right? And so many of us, we have different stories. We have, we have different goals, and so we're going to look different, and so we're going to train differently. I, I cannot think of running, and some of you are just going to have to forgive me for saying this, but I cannot think of, of a running type of a story without thinking of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I mean, here you got Arthur. He's on a mission from God to find the Grail. He has his trusted squire, Patsy, who's following him with coconuts, and he's clicking them to make it sound like they're riding horses as they skip through the wilderness journey. And they come to this moment where they need to pass in this scary night with a, a big, giant, you know, protective helmet, thank you, <laughs> was saying he shall not pass and Arthur and this knight begin to fight and fight. And as many of you know, the very famous scenes of the knight losing all of his limbs. And he's sitting there and he's still wanting to fight. It's just a flesh wound, right? And Arthur's like, are you kidding? What are you going to do, bleed on me? And uh, then the guy says, you're running away, eh? Running away. And here we have... No point at all besides the fact that I wanted to tell you about that scene of Monty Python, and I can't get it out of my head, and I feel like I would have been totally stuck and unable to move forward. So now that we can do that, we all have stories of running away, eh? Right? We have stories of not doing what God has told us to do or not knowing what... Or do, not doing what is right. And it all starts in the garden. It starts in the very beginning, Genesis 3, 8 through 11. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. You've probably heard me say this through the years because I, this picture for me means everything in my relationship with Christ. It says that God, um, that the Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, this was the standard of being in relationship with Christ. He came in the coolness of the day to spend time with his creation. Jesus was sent for us to have this type of intimate relationship with Christ. And that is powerful. This is what I dream of and how I commune with our Father. But as he came to be with Adam, to be with Eve, it says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, this is Adam, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Friends, this is, this is us. We run, we hide, 
From this point on, in, in human history is a familiar story of people running from God. God begins to find people that, that he can use for his glory and his purposes throughout history. Yet sometimes these people, they fall short or they don't respond at all. Sometimes they do okay and then they mess up. Sometimes they just totally screw up what God ha has given them. And other times they just totally turn their back on God altogether and his ways. Here's what we know and what God knows. Sometimes life needs to get uncomfortable for us to finally hit the bottom. Like the prophet Jonah that hit the bottom of the sea, this is what he says. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Throughout history, we see that just this happening. We, we see that man begins to follow their own ways. We become enticed with the world. We get enticed with what we're seeing somewhere else. And sometimes things need to get a little bit uncomfortable to get to the point where we, like Jonah, can say, I called out to the Lord, and in my distress, he answered me. God shows himself faithful. God extends his mercy and grace upon us, in all of our running, he continues to run towards us. And the greatest act is the extension of his grace was when God sent his son Jesus to a rugged cross on our behalf. The spotless, perfect lamb, the sinless lamb to be given for all of us in place for us. Scripture calls him a scapegoat. He was a scapegoat for us, that our sins were cast upon him. We also see that Christ was a ransom paid for us, in place for us. And this was a price that we could not pay in a million lifetimes. It could only be paid and bought by the blood of the perfect lamb of God. We all have stories of running away. I bet you if we began to talk a little bit about it. We could hear stories that you have of running away and not doing what you should be doing. I mean, I think of little toddlers, and some of you are in that age right now, or young people, when it's time to shower, what do they do? Running away, eh? Time for a new diaper. They're out of here. Time to go to sleep for the 10th time. What are they doing? Running away. You know, I, I just, I don't know if we're that much different as the sons and daughters of God. He says, rest in me. What do we do? Run away. He says, trust me. What do we do? He says, come to me, those who, who are weak, who, who are weary. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And yet we journey this world, and we look every other direction than the direction that he has called us to come. But knowing that our journeys look different is okay. You know, I, I, I think of two things right away for me personally with running away. I think of, I was standing in, in my little town of Cavalier, North Dakota, and I think there was a cute girl there. And, you know, I, I probably was 8 to 10 years old, maybe younger. And I wanted to show that I could hit a car with a rock. 
Now, guess what? My mom and dad never said, don't throw rocks at cars. They didn't have to. Isn't that funny? They didn't have to. Any of you ever have to tell your kids or grandkids, hey, by the way, just in life in general, don't throw rocks at cars? It's in us. Isn't that funny that that's how God works? He puts his spirit in us. We usually know when we're doing wrong. And uh, back in those days, cars were a lot bigger than they are now. I couldn't miss. Until a lady put her brakes on. And guess what Dale did? Not Pastor Dale at the time, mind you. (laughs) He ran for his life. And because I was so intelligent, I was only one house away from, or from my, my, you know, running away. And I went and I hid behind the washer and dryer. And you know, there's not much space. And I'm paused there and I'm hyperventilating. And then there's a knock at the door. Guess who's at my door? Guess who comes to find me? Mom. It was a rough day. My memory's gone from that point. Okay? But this is sometimes how we look. We do something stupid, and then, and then we run. And that's exactly what I was doing at that moment. Man, I, this, this is what it was like in my house. I decided one day I was going to run away. Anyone else run, decide to run away from home? Yeah. Yeah, it's good thinking. I had enough. I had enough of that authoritarian rule. I'm leaving my mom. And my mom helped me pack my bags. (laughs) You're going to need some underwear, son. Oh, that's not enough socks. She helped me. It was all organized, zipped it up, helped me on my way to leave home. And you know what she says to me? You know, before you leave, you probably should have some lunch. It's going to be a long journey. And I don't know, and this is a little bit of a a Narnia reference, but I think she gave me Turkish delight because I forgot that I was even running away. My mom knew exactly what to do. And I think sometimes moms are a lot like God. He knows exactly what to do to get us to come back home, even when our run looks a little bit different. We all have these stories. We have reasons why we ran. When it comes to God, we have a history of this that, that, we, that pushed us away for whatever reason. Did we run because we wanted to live for ourselves? Did we run because of hurts that we had experienced? Did we run because people abandoned us? Or did we run because we were like the prodigal son? We just wanted to live life to the fullest, and we didn't believe that there were any consequences like everyone else told us until we found out ourselves. And then there we are like Jonah, and it's like, in my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. And I believe that we are filled with a room right here of people that have called out to the Lord in their distress as you ran. Let's read Jonah. But as we read uh, the first chapter, um, I'm just going to ask you to look at this map. You can see um, the arrow on the right would have been 
the direction that he should have gone if he would have listened to God. Instead, we see going to the left, Tarshish is out on the very far left, but he didn't quite make it that far because of what happened. So you can just kind of use your imagination here as, as I read. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And there they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? And then there's a little side note here. It says, they knew he was running from God because he had already told them. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make this sea calm down for us? He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Now, these guys are actually fairly righteous guys. They didn't want to have the blood of Jonah on their hands, so they said, okay, we know this is your fault, but we're just, we just need to get to shore. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, have done as you please. Then they looked Jonah, they took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. You know they would have said, Okay, we are sacrificing to the God of Jonah, because that's the only name they would have known him by. And then verse 17, it says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah's story is our story. His run just looks a little different than their own. Now, for me, as a young person, and I, I heard this story, and for whatever reason, I pictured a guy that was busy minding his own business and maybe working or just, you know, going for a stroll, and God stopped him and said, okay, this is what you have to do. And then, you know, the, the story of how we should respond to that goes something like, um, obey God, okay? Don't run from God because life gets messy if you run from God. Just obey him and take that easy way, that little arrow. Take a straight shot instead of dealing with all the trouble of life. And, and I think that's a valuable thing for us to take from it. 
But I think there's something that we're not recognizing that is extremely important for us to be able to say, oh, I'm a lot more like Jonah than I realize. So we find out in, in 2 Kings 14, verse 25, that under Jeroboam II, this was essentially the second greatest rule of Israel. Now, he wasn't as godly as David, but under David, they had the most peace ever in this kingdom. And it says, in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant, Jonah, son of Amittai. This is the same Jonah from the same father. So it's easy to conclude. This was a prophet. God was already speaking to Jonah. Jonah is not a story for unsaved people. Jonah is a story for you who follow Jesus. Jonah is a story for me who depends and relies on God. So why? Why would a prophet of God take the expense to go all the way the other direction? It's because it was a lot more complex than just a brief story of understanding why he ran away. And the same thing is true for you. And the same thing is true for me for decisions that I have made that maybe I don't look at them now as the wisest decision, but in the moment, based on what I knew, it was how I knew to run. And obviously there are times in our lives where we reject Christ. I'm not not saying that there aren't moments of absolute stupidity that we just totally turn our backs and go against God. But it is very important for us as Christians so we can have empathy and understanding when we're talking to people. Because it is a high value for us to be able to lead people into a life-giving relationship with Christ. And if we rush into judgment... And if we don't listen to where they've come from, we are not going to be able to have empathy to lead people to Christ. And then we just do a big broad brush of, oh, you need Jesus, oh, you're rejecting Jesus, too bad for you. No, we need to be able to understand and listen so we understand, wow, I can understand how you got there. And I have to be honest with you, the story of Jonah, I get it. I get it. Nineveh, they were Assyrian. Nineveh becomes the main capital of Assyria. When you look in the minor prophets of the Old Testament, before you get to Jonah, you've got Amos and you've got Hosea. And you know what they do? They prophesy that the Assyrians are going to come and conquer them. And that they are going to rule over them. So, Jonah also being a prophet at that time, he knows the prophecies. And the very group of people that in 722, 732 in that area, that's when Assyria conquered Israel. But before that, God calls Jonah, the prophet of God, to go to his enemies. Now I want you to sit here and be honest with yourself and think, oh, piece of cake. Piece of cake. You know for sure that a country is going to wage war against America and they are going to totally annihilate us or put us into captivity. 
But God says to you, I am going to call you to that nation so they get saved. Do you want to be known as that prophet? We're going to be going into next week the dangerous course of bitterness that ended up leaking in to Jonah, the prophet's life. But again, we need to understand that there is a very good reason for Jonah to run away, at least in my opinion. I have empathy for him. I wouldn't want to be that guy. I wouldn't want to be that prophet that goes. And you know what? He had the dream of any pastor, any prophet, any evangelist. He goes and he speaks and they all get saved. Man, Lord, why does that happen to me? I want that. I won't be mad. But that's exactly what happened. He was ticked because he said, I knew that you were gracious. I knew that you would be merciful. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to you, Lord, out of my distress, and he answered me. Have you prayed that prayer before? Lord, out of my distress, and he still answered me. I think we have simplified this story, but Jonah's story is filled with bitterness towards God because God had mercy towards Israel's enemy. Jonah's story is filled with disappointment and anger because he was sent to witness to save his enemies. Jonah's experienced all of these things, and he was in absolute turmoil for what he was about to do. This book teaches us that God is not a respecter of persons and his will and plan will not be thwarted even if we don't obey. He will find somebody that will. And here's the deal. God's grace and mercy knows no depths even when it's for somebody that we disagree with. Even when it's towards somebody that we consider our enemies. I think that we simplified this story into just obey, and there's definitely truth in that. But I think it's also very important that we as people do the best that we can to understand other people instead of making broad brush understandings of maybe where they've come from based on where they are. I believe for us as Christians, it is a window by taking this, looking into a window of people's lives and the difficulties they face. I believe that Jonah is a misunderstood man in general, but I do think that we have a lot more in common with him than we realize. Jonah ran from God as a follower of God, not somebody who had totally rejected God. Jonah is not a warning to people who are not Christians at all, but it's a warning to us that his plans will not be thwarted, 
It's a warning to us that, you know what? When we disagree with somebody and God is calling us to them, we listen. Do you know what the Bible says? Not only did Jesus say to pray for your enemy, in, in Proverbs 25 it says that when you bless and take care of your enemy, it's like pouring, heaping coals on top of their head. There, there is a blessing when we step towards our enemies. There is a blessing when we listen to the word of God, no matter how complex it is. There is a blessing with that. Listening to people gives you insight. Listening to people gives you empathy. Listening to people gives you understanding to see how they got to where they are. Jonah was sent to the people of Assyria. Where have you been sent? What what does it look like where you work? What does it look like in your families? What does it look like in your neighborhoods? Has God called you to give grace to somebody who has not given grace to you? Has God called you to step out in a way that makes you uncomfortable? Now, obviously, I I don't know that. Only you can answer it. But it is really, really, really easy to say, pray for your enemies. It is really easy to say, bless your enemies until you actually have to pray for your enemies and bless your enemies. But yet God has called us to do it. And here's how we're going to end today in the worship team, if you guys want to come up. In Acts chapter 5, there is a Sadducee leader named Gamaliel. Gamaliel, say that five times. And at this point, the Spirit of God is moving in a powerful way. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. People are leaving the synagogue to listen to Jesus' disciples. And this is what Gamaliel said It says that he addressed the Sanhedrin. It says, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thetis appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and his followers were dispersed, and all came to nothing. After him, he said, Judas, the Galilean, different Judas than um, Iscariot, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in, the pre- in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. Now here's what's really important for us to hear. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. That's what I titled this sermon today, Fighting God. Jonah was fighting God. And he found himself fighting against the very hand of God. And in our own lives, we cannot be put into this place that when the will of God is telling us and challenging us to go in a direction that we push against and fight the will of God for our lives and for others' lives. 
We need to be obedient. We need to, to follow the voice of God and do the absolute best that we can. And if God is asking you to step out and to do something that you've never done before and you're scared to death and you're disagreeing with people and you don't know how to show love, let me just tell you something. The scripture says that when you listen to God, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. And I want to encourage you with the love of Christ to do everything you can to obey and be faithful to him. And if it falls apart, and if your conversation is terrible and nothing works and they unfriend you on Facebook, and you know what you can do? You can say, I did the best that I could in understanding what God was telling me to do because you do not want to be fighting against God. I don't know about you, but it's sometimes difficult to see people make really bad decisions. Have you seen that before with people you love? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard when you know they're taking the wrong path. It's hard. But let me encourage you. Listen. Don't, don't just go preach to them. Don't just go tell them what to do. Pray. Say, Holy Spirit, I need your guidance. Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. Help me to listen and to find out what's happening, what you're doing. Because Romans 8, 38, 39, and I think it's super fitting for us today and super fitting for the story that we just read. Would you please stand? Why don't you read this with me? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We have two songs that we are going to worship right now, and I want to ask you to cry out to God. Cry out to God and do your absolute best to be obedient to what he is calling you to do because you don't want to be in the place in your life where you're literally fighting against the hand of God for you and what you can do for others. Amen? Heavenly Father, I ask that as we worship right now, I pray that you begin to speak to us. I pray that, that you begin to challenge us. I ask, Lord, that, that maybe some of us need to just be reminded that there is no height nor depth nor anything else that can separate us from your love. And Lord, if, if there's somebody that's watching online or in this place that just needs to experience your love, Lord, I pray that by your spirit that you fill them with your love and your mercy and your goodness. And I pray that they know that there is no depth that they can go away from you. Thank you, Jesus. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.